0: Dot app slash breadbox. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called brutally honest, truly inspiring, profound, heartbreaking, and life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, judyhair.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and, and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered today. Welcome to Journey with Judy, a weekly podcast filled with faith-infused inspiration, information, and an opportunity for implementation. Now, here is speaker, coach, author, and host, Judy Hare.
1: You are journeying with Judy right here on the Journey with Judy podcast. We continue to pray for greater clarity in this year of 2020, and our topic is somewhat of a continuation from last week. Last week, it was the F word. This week, it is the F word continued. However, it's mercy begins with me. Mercy begins with me, M-E. So what was so crazy is I was working out this week and a friend of mine that I work out with thought it would be a really good idea for me to try to do the monkey bars. Now, I want you to know that my daughter, when she was three, could like, you know, the monkey bars, you have to get a rhythm to be rocking the monkey bars. And at 54 years old, it's a little high off the ground and it's kind of far to the ground. And so I had some serious hesitation um, as I stood at the end of the, you know, on this up high, I stood with the monkey bars in front of me and I was like, just consumed with fear of falling flat on my face. And so he said, I'm right here. I'll, I'll get you. I'll hold you. You just have to just get started. And so as I got on the one rung and held on for dear life, it, this reality, hit me of how similar that is to the concept of mercy and forgiveness. It is so scary that we're going to fall flat on our face, that we're not going to be able to do it, that it's not going to be what we thought it was going to be. And what kept coming to me was as I went from one bar to the other, that in order to move forward, What was so obvious, and I am bonder than I pay to be, so I'm kind of a slow learner, is that you got to let go. You have to let go in order to move forward and get the other bar. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That is the topic for this week's talk is this mercy forgiveness factor. How do we do it? So last week I told you that – Sin, is, sin has I as its center. Mercy begins with me. Forgiveness is what I get to give because he died for me. And now I will tell you that I sin too much. I give mercy too little. And when it comes to forgiveness, eh, I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the middle when it comes to some of these topics. And on any given day, I'm crushing it. And on another given day, I'm getting crushed by it. So mercy, what is it? I can tell you it's a word that is in scripture 240 times, 240 times. For those of us who attend mass, it is the word most used in our liturgy, especially during the highlight of our liturgy, which is the Easter season, or excuse me, Lent, which precedes the Easter season. And we use the word mercy 15 times. We are begging for it because we are so in desperate need of it except that i propose that we talk about it much and we ponder it little we ask for it but asking for it and not receiving it i think oftentimes is the disconnect so when it comes to the topic of mercy it is mentioned more than any other word as i mentioned and it is a chief characteristic of the christian life it is a chief characteristic it is central to the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. So by definition, my friends, it is actually an act of saving grace. So mercy is an act of saving rescue. So we ask the Lord to have mercy on us by acting within us as he does towards us. So Lord, act within me as you do towards me. Right. And we talked last week about not being able to give what we do not have. So interestingly enough, I tried to come up with another image of a lack of mercy or a lack of forgiveness. And so I want you all, as you're I know you're such great participators, I want you to take your fingers and stick them really hard into your rib, like like you're like so hard, where it almost makes it so you cannot breathe. Okay. And here's what I'll tell you, that is the feeling that we get used to, is it hurts in the beginning, and then it just, then we just adjust ourselves, so it hurts a little less and less, and we decide that we're just going to deal with it. So I feel like mercy and forgiveness is this rib in the finger, or fingers in the rib that cause us to be all twisted up and not able to be receiving and believing, and of course perceiving that the love that God has for us. So- I propose that we cannot move to a place of forgiveness without first stepping on a platform of mercy. That's what I propose, that we can't start forgiving until we first recognize what this thing about mercy really is because similar to forgiveness, we can't earn it. We desperately desire it. It's not based on merit or attaining However, we need it and so desperately seek it, right? Here's the thing. Sometimes we believe that our sins are greater than God's mercy. Eh, Wrong go. The belief is that somehow we could out-sin the mercy of God. And so scripture says very succinctly that the mercies of God are new every day. So here's here's my little image about that. It's like this. Every day we can have a take one, take two, take 10, take three. Mercies every day are new and they always trump, they always trump our sins, past, present and future. So for the sake of like kind of teeing up the mercy topic, I thought we would touch base a little on a recap of forgiveness. We can never talk too much about this F word because we know it's 80% of issues. 80% of the issues that people navigate have to do with unforgiveness. So a lack of forgiveness is 80% of our issues. It's also synonymous forgiveness with clemency and pardon, right? So let's just talk about what it isn't, okay? Here's what it is not. It is not forgetting, okay? If If we can't forgive and we can't forget, I propose we just do one, okay? Bob always says, Forgiving or forgiving, forgetting is Alzheimer's, okay? So, forgiveness is not a guarantee that the person who hurt us ever says sorry, ever has restitution, ever, we never get the apology. It's not denying or minimizing that the offense was real because we've already agreed that it's not based on the other person. See, it's not a one-time event, it's not, and it's not based on the offender being worthy, earning, or attaining it. And here's the big thing. It's not based on the other F word, which is feeling. It is so not based on a feeling. It is based on the act of a wi- the will, right? We don't feel like forgiving. Those of you who are married or have children, you know exactly what I am talking about this evening. So forgiveness is not never talking about it again. It's not. Let me tell you what it is. It's essential, like mercy, to authentic discipleship it is a remedy for wounds that intolerable wrongs have left within us. By definition, forgiveness is ceasing to feel resentment towards a perceived offense. Okay. It was perceived. It it, it happened to us. I remember talking about some of the things that I had been through and my siblings would say, well, I don't remember that. Well, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It was true to me. And even if I made it all up, it's still a perceived offense that, that held me back for so many years. So it's a process, a journey that requires time. It requires grace. It requires humility, prayer, and patience. It is a doorway to wholeness. It is necessary for the love of God to flow freely through us. So I think I've mentioned the garden hose that we know flows um, much different than when someone steps on it or bends it at any point. The flow absolutely is affected, similar to God's love and mercy and grace, when it either just drips out or it flows out with with a force. And lastly, I would say that it is empowering, it is transforming, and it is cleansing, okay? So it's birthed out of love for God. So out of our love for God, which of course is in response to his love for us, we can fathom this possibility of forgiveness. It's saying you owe me nothing. You owe me zero no matter what you did whether you did it on accident, purpose, whether I caught you, whether you confessed, it doesn't matter. It says you owe me zero. It's over and done with. Debt paid, right? Because we know that Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. So it's as if we say, I drop all the charges against you. We know that forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and realizing we were the prisoner. So here's a couple things, a couple steps, four to be exact, in terms of moving towards a place of forgiveness. Number one, we acknowledge. Those of you who work with me have heard me said, say, give me a fab. How do you feel about what thing because of what thing? So in other words, the acknowledgement says, I feel this way about this thing. I was hurt. I feel blank. It's just acknowledging the reality of it, number one. Number two is accepting that it mattered. It absolutely mattered. I have three sisters. To this day, as a 54-year-old woman, I long for their approval. Now, I've already reconciled to the fact that I am not getting it. At all, not ever. The fact is, it doesn't change that I want it. It does not change. I have accepted the fact that these things happened, these things are not going to happen. And so I at first admit it and then I accept it because it mattered. For many of us, the things that we are holding on to have changed the trajectory of our life. It has impacted how we love, how we are in relationship with spouses, with children, with others. So we acknowledge it, we accept it, and then we decide, we make a decision to forgive them. And not only then, we make a decision to forgive us. And the fourth thing in terms of steps is I start a healing process, heal. I stop picking at the scab. I take my fingers out of my rib and I allow for the healing to move that woundedness to a place of being a scar that we can slap, we can talk about, we can look at it. And when it is healed, it is stronger than it's ever been before and when we do these things it's so much more likely that we won't just be talking about forgiveness but we will actually start living as if we were and are forgiven so here's what i love too it's a verb it's a verb it's an action word it's like we it's something that we have to do because deciding isn't enough we have got to do something about the forgiveness topic so here's the thing. Similar to mercy, forgiveness and mercy sit in this place of being an invitation. Right? We all wanna be invited everywhere. I, always, I like to be invited. I usually get um, uninvited because I never respond to the invitation because I think that everyone's invitation is like God's, without expiration, without expectation, And actually, that's not the way other people invite us to things or into relationship. A lot of times it has some expectations, some expirations. And so the mercy and forgiveness of God is an invitation to reconciliation. It is an invitation to reconciliation that has no expiration and no expectation kind of crazy to even get your head around it, never mind your heart around it. Because here's what we talked about last week. It is so not fair. The mercy and forgiveness of God is so not fair. Because if it was fair, I wouldn't be here right now. Some of you would not be here right now. So mercy is a disposition. Mercy is an act of saving rescue. It actually means God saves. We say, Lord have mercy, and what we're saying when we say that is act within us as you do towards us, which I mentioned. Act within us as you do towards us. So what's so interesting is God, we're commanded to be merciful as our heavenly father is merciful. Yet if we don't see him as mercy, it's hard to believe, perceive, conceive, and receive this mercy that he's so willing to bestow upon us. See, so many of us have had a difficult time reconciling God as a loving, merciful, forgiving father. Especially if, if we have not had that in our life, it's hard to get your head and heart around a merciful God and a forgiving father. Here's what's cool. I think sometimes we, we mistake the difference in mercy and grace. So grace is when you get what you don't deserve and mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Grace is something you get that you did not deserve. Undeserved, unmerited, unwarranted grace. Mercy is not getting something that you really should have got. It's like the credit card debt that got paid off. It's actually defined as withheld punishment. And there's something about some of us who keep punishing ourselves when the Lord says, My mercy trumps your sins. So the contradictions in my life have been an absolute sign of God's mercy. Like I'm so happy for all of my imperfections because I am in such desperate need of the mercy of God. I never knew that. And now I know it and I know I can't earn it. I can't attain it. And he just withholds punishment. Now, as a, if you're a parent, or you're obviously a child of a parent, there's been so many times when you have withheld punishment, or your parents have withheld punishment from you, and at no point did you ever say, oh, come on, just punish me. Punish me more. My kids, our, our whole life would say to me, mom, your punishments do not fit the crime. Like, you need to have a new jury, because the punishments in our house never fit the crime. So here's uh, Psalm 136 says, his mercy endures forever. In that Psalm, it says that same statement, that same verse, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. It says it 16 times. Now, that's only not for me who's blonder than I pay to be. That's for everybody who needs to be reminded that it endures forever. No expiration, no expectation. Psalm 103 says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor does he repay us in accordance with our inequities. So he doesn't treat us as, as we deserve, nor does he repay us as he really would and could if he wasn't God. Like that is so crazy to me. So we're sinners that need saving. We desire it. We need it. We ask for it. We get it even though we didn't deserve it. And we still say, Oh no, I want to pay more. I want to stay imprisoned. I want more of a punishment and God, if you're not going to give it to me, then I will. Isn't that crazy? As we talk about it, it seems crazy because the love of God is so not fair. And it's as if God has an eraser bigger than this. And he's like, I erased that already. I erased that. It is gone. It is off the page. And we're like, oh, I think there's a shadow of it there. If I I look hard enough, I can still see that thing that Jesus erased. So some of my favorite scriptures are the Samaritan woman who got some mercy and came to know Jesus, the Pharisee and the publican. Some of you remember that story where The Pharisee was saying, or the publican was saying, I'm so glad I'm not like him. It was a comparison of, well, look at me, at least I'm not like him. Meanwhile, the other one was face down in shame and guilt, feeling so unworthy. And the Lord was so beautiful how he he just got in there and said, you who's looking up, look at me. You who's looking down, look at me. Because the measuring stick is me. So, being glad we're not like somebody else or somebody believing that we're better than them, the Lord says they're equal in terms of sinfulness because we're not recognizing from a place of humility who God is and who we are. And in other words, who would we be without Him? Right? I love the definition C.S. Lewis has for humility. It's not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves. Less often, I love that. So, your sins are not greater than his mercy. And if you believe they are, my spiritual director said to me, then Jesus died in vain. So, imagine trying to to reconcile that Jesus died for everyone but you. Because if we don't believe this, then, then that's what happened, it was in vain for the intended purpose was not carried out. So I love this quote, leave the past to God's mercy, the present to his love, and the future to his providence. I don't know which saint said that, but one of them said, leave the past to his mercy because it's withheld punishment. You ain't getting what you deserve and be glad about it. Leave the present to his love, which is always to desire the highest and best for you and me. And the future to his providence because he is a God that provides. And sometimes he doesn't provide at all like we had hoped or believed he would. And it's nonetheless always for our highest and best good. Okay? So one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Zacchaeus. I don't know if you remember that story. He's the guy who climbed the tree. Right? So before I tell you about Zacchaeus, I want to tell you about four stories that I know will resonate with some of you, maybe more of you than I'm realizing, where God's mercy was received. Like, he didn't only offer it, but they received it. It was the woman caught in adultery, it was the other sinful woman, it was the hemorrhaging woman. Remember that for 12 years? And she touched his cloak and was healed immediately. And then of course the story that we hear over and over is the prodigal son. So all of those, like the prodigal son, remember the one son had zero mercy for the other son. And the son who received God's mercy, he got the biggest party ever. And the other son was too busy worrying about what his brother wasn't doing, rather than just worrying about what he was doing. So one of my favorite, besides those few uh, scripture stories is Zacchaeus. Like, I love the story of Zacchaeus. And here's the thing about scripture is, I'm sure you can relate to when you, when, when, if you have ever been in, in front of a baby and when babies start to find their way around, a lot of times we put them in front of a mirror, right? And they think it's another person until they realize, wait a minute, that reflection is me. And so I love to think about scripture in that same way because we read it and we think, oh, that's my husband, that's my kid, that's my girlfriend. And really it's supposed to be the reflection of us. And so who are we in the story of Zacchaeus and in all the other Bible stories? So here's the deal. This man was lacking integrity, character. He was dishonest, he was unethical, and he was disloyal. Except he knew that what Jesus had, he wanted. And so he positioned himself, I don't know if you remember the story, but he climbed way up in a tree so he could see Jesus. What was so great is that what he didn't realize was that Jesus already saw him, right? Didn't only see him, he called him by name. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm coming to your house for dinner, right? And Zacchaeus was this little guy so he had like a, maybe a little man problem. He was a little man with big problems as a tax collector in that time because nobody liked him. What was so great is his fear of rejection, unlike ours, did not trump his desire for connection with Jesus because he positioned himself in such a way that he would be seen and ultimately sought after by Jesus. And here's the thing. When Jesus said, hey, I see you, and called him by name, it was without hesitation and without reservation that he came down the tree and could not wait to see Jesus who was coming to his house. So it's so not fair. People were yelling, this is so not fair. And the fact of the matter is my friends, it is so not fair. So when it comes to Zacchaeus, similar to us, we gotta wanna be found. We have to want to be saved. We have to want to accept this invitation to reconciliation, regardless of if we believe there's an expiration or an expectation. Because Jesus is, was, and always will be seeking, saving, loving, and forgiving. And that is how we find transformation by first stepping on the platform of mercy in order to stand on the foundation of forgiveness because God gave him what he didn't deserve and he received it. And you've got to love that. I'm going to end with this little poem that I wrote. Sin has I as its center and mercy begins with me. Forgiveness is what I get to give because he gave it to me. It just seems so crazy and hard to believe. It's a free gift I need only receive. I I climbed up in the tree and then I came back down. My entire life turned completely around. I did what I hated and not what I ought. But now I'm different in word, deed, and thought. Without hesitation, doubt, or fear, I sought my Savior and He drew near. They shouted, "That is so not fair." I said to myself, oh, I'm aware. I asked for forgiveness. His mercy extended, restitution made, and I also repented. A sinner was I. I did what I should not. Mercy means that he forgot. I pray for conversion through and through my life to love and live for you. Amen and amen. So mercy is an act of saving rescue, not only for me for you. Thank you for journeying with Judy right here on the Journey with Judy podcast with the topic for this evening, Mercy Begins With Me. I invite you without any expectation or expiration to join me anytime on a complimentary coaching call. All you need to do is reach out through any of the social media platforms, send me a message and I will respond immediately. Thank you so much and God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Journey with Judy. To learn more about Judy's coaching ministry, receive a complimentary session, and other services she offers, visit judyhair.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And remember, it's never too late to be who God called you to be. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media, experience coffee like never before.